like to pride myself on telling you guys when things are going well for the Big 12 and when they're not going so well. And right now, I think the Big 12 has a problem that is, in many ways, a good problem to have. But in some ways, it might be costing them this season. I'm Pete Mundo. We are HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Appreciate you guys joining us and being a part of the show. Of course, we're your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And before we keep it rolling, just a reminder, please always uh, leave us that rating review. Hit that subscribe button to the podcast. Uh, We really appreciate you guys doing that. Helps us out enormously. And... We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail if you do it. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will uh, we'll get that koozie in the mail for you guys. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Keep the beer cold, all right? So we've got, uh, what, six weeks in the books of Big 12 football and college football. We're getting ready for week seven, and here's the issue for the Big 12. It's shaping up to be, in many ways, what we expected it to be, but that could be indirectly hurting them. What's happening now is the Big 12 is getting no primetime love. And last week I mentioned, hey, I'm not overly concerned about this. Let's see how it plays out moving forward. Well, we've got another week, Saturday, October 19th. The schedule comes out. OU has its fourth straight 11 a.m. game, West Virginia at Oklahoma. you got Iowa State and Tech also at 11 a.m., TCU and K-State 1.30, Baylor, Oklahoma State 3 o'clock on Fox, and then the only game at night is Kansas at Texas. It's not really prime time, though, and also it's on the Longhorn Network, which is kind of useless. Um, and what you have as a result is, is a Big 12 that is not getting the primetime matchups. Now, as I noted last week, if they could put OU Texas at night, they would, right? I mean, they just, they don't do it. They can't do it. It works out for the state fair. It's always an 11 a.m. game. That's not going to change. But as I got thinking about it more, and as the rankings came out this past weekend, and a fourth straight week of a different Big 12 team being ranked, really told the story and tells the story for what this season is going to be. So for four straight weeks, you've had a different Big 12 team outside of OU and Texas find itself in the top 25. In order, it went TCU, they lose to SMU. They're out of the top 25. K-State jumps in after a bye week. The week before that, they had beat Mississippi State. K-State gets beat by Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State jumps in to the top 25 last week. Now, Oklahoma State loses to Texas Tech. And Baylor, who's now 5-0 and and beat Kansas State, jumps into the top 25. So for four straight weeks, you've had a different Big 12 team find itself ranked outside of, of course, OU in Texas. And that means that as this league tries to find itself primetime matchups, which it should get and it's well-deserving of, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening because there's not going to be a ton of ranked matchups outside of OU and Texas because these teams in that second tier for the Big 12 are going to keep beating each other up. And it's not necessarily right. It's not necessarily fair because you know and I know, like next week that Baylor-Oklahoma State game to me is going to be fascinating uh, because Baylor could very well stay ranked, right? Top 25 could very well stay there when you look at what's to come for the Baylor Bears. I mean, they play Texas Tech this weekend. Uh, they're favored in that game. They should win that game at home. They'll still be in the top 25. Oklahoma State was in the top 25, lost a bad game at Lubbock. It's going to be coming off a bye week. They'll be fired up. That's probably the best game in the conference next week. 
It's 3 p.m. on Big Fox. That's pretty good. But that's worthy of prime time. I mean, that's that's worthy of ESPN2 or ESPN at night. It's 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 worthy of it. But for ESPN or for Fox, it's not a top 25 matchup. It's just not. And when you've got a situation where, you know, the SEC can beat each other up, but hey, when you've got the SEC overvalued a bit as is and you have a situation like, oh, I don't know, let's say Auburn losing at Florida 24 to 13, it's like, all right, well, is Auburn really still a top 15 team? Well, they fell five spots, right? People will say, hey, they went from 7 to 12. But this is the genius of what the SEC does. The SEC overhypes itself. Now, the top of the conference is well-deserved, right? Alabama, Georgia, LSU, really good teams, well-deserved. But it's that second tier in the SEC where the top tier carries the second tier. So the second tier is like, oh, we play in the SEC. We're so good. We play in the SEC. We're still the whatever, 12th, 15th, 18th best team in America, even if we go on to lose a handful of games. We're still worthy of that. And people buy it. And people fall for it. Hook, line, and sinker. And then you end up in a situation where when, you know, teams in the middle of the pack in the SEC beat each other up, they barely get affected in the rankings. Barely get affected in the rankings. So to the SEC's credit, they really have uh, have sold this thing to the AP voters. And that's why Barry Trammell does a great job with his voting. He, he ticks off a lot of people, but he does it based on literally who you played this year, who you beaten this year, and it's not based off of preseason projections. He doesn't do it like that. So uh, Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman always uh, does a good job. I got to get Barry back on the show soon. He's a good guy, and he's a friend of us, a uh, friend of ours here at heartlandcollegesports.com. So for the Big 12, what does that mean then moving forward? Well, here's what I'm looking at. I told you last week I'm not going to freak out about it, but let's see what happens the next uh, week or so. So no primetime games on the 19th, none this weekend as well, but there's only three games this weekend, not concerned about that. The 26th, the weekend of October 26th, Oklahoma State at Iowa State is worthy of a primetime matchup. And that's a game that is worthy of a primetime matchup. Uh, It's going to be a good game in Ames, two really uh, solid young quarterbacks. They've both been in the top 25 this year. I think Iowa State will find itself back in the top 25 at some point. And let's see what they do with that game. Let's also see what they do with uh, Oklahoma at K-State. I mean, K-State's kind of fallen off a little bit, but let's see what they do with those two games for the weekend of the 26th, and then we'll go from there. So keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. I am starting to get a little worried, but I just think right now the Big 12 is beating each other up in that middle tier. It's going to be tough for those top 25 rankings. And the SEC has sold itself well. And the executives like to say, hey, we got, uh, you know, three top 25 matchups in prime time this weekend on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU. And that's what they like to do, and that's what they're going to continue to do. So keep an eye on that. Although a team that may give us several top 25 matchups at the end of this season, the Baylor Bears. Uh, I mean, Baylor has a heck of a stretch there in November where they host Oklahoma and host Texas back-to-back weekends in the middle of November, the 16th and the 23rd. And, I mean, those games have the potential. If Baylor keeps this up, 
those are two straight games that could find themselves in prime time, man. I mean, that could very well happen if Baylor keeps this up. Now, I said on Sunday's show, I do a podcast after the games on Sunday, which if you're listening on radio, you don't catch it on the podcast, go rate, uh, review, subscribe to the podcast. Just search Heartland College Sports wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Matt Rule, love the guy to death. Um, think he's done a great job for this program. But he may find himself as a hot commodity. He may very well find himself as a very hot commodity. Now, this bothered a lot of uh, a lot of Baylor fans, and I understand that. You know, I mean, you see this guy turn around this program as quickly as he has, and it's like, holy cow, look at what he has done and where might he go, especially when the last two offseasons he has at least discussed the idea and been open to the idea of the NFL. Now, Matt Rule's got his big contract extension he just signed. Not totally sure on the details, but he's got this big contract that he just signed. And he talked about how much he loves being in Waco, good for the family, everything else. Matt Rule is still a guy who's got the ties to Penn State. And, you know, if James Franklin goes to USC, if that job opens up, does uh, Rule want to go to his alma mater? I mean, there, there's going to be options for him. And while I think he is uh, truly committed to Waco, and he is not BSing when he says that he loves it there and the family loves it there, I don't think it's money that's going to talk here. It's just going to be what are his aspirations that could change the outcome here moving forward. That's where I could see this going from here on out for Matt Rule. But I'm excited about this Baylor team, and as I'm thinking about this second tier in the Big 12, uh, to me, Baylor is shaping up to be the team that could challenge the Oklahomas and the Texases of this conference this year. I would say Iowa State's a close second right now. Iowa State seems to really be turning things around. I was up there in Ames over the weekend, and it was a a blast, by the way, despite the weather. Had a great time. Enjoyed meeting a lot of uh, very good Iowa State fans and and great folks up that way. It just is frustrating to me that this team takes until October to turn the damn thing on. That's the only possible critique I have for Matt Gamble. It takes him a little bit to get going each season. But uh, I see Baylor as the team right now with the least amount of flaws in this second tier of the Big 12. Then I see Iowa State kind of coming into form. And then you can have the debates on Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas Tech from there on down. But when you look at right now what Baylor's doing, it's like, all right, you got a front seven that is – fast and tough that you haven't had before you got a very good secondary as well um and on top of that you have an offense that has an incredible amount of talent the skill position and guess what else it's got it's got a pretty darn good offensive line right now uh Baylor quarterbacks have been sacked seven times just seven times in five games that is pretty darn good it's tied for third in the big 12 Last year, Baylor quarterbacks, most notably Charlie Brewer, of course, was sacked 39 times in 13 games, dead last in the conference. So the offensive line is playing much better, and the defensive line as well. Baylor leads the Big 12 in sacks with 18 in five games. So I know part of that is because of their non-conference being pretty weak, but that's four more sacks than anybody else in the Big 12 on a uh, team basis. So this team's playing really well along both lines. Uh, that's valuable, obviously, in football. It's a cliche, but any level, you have that talent on both lines, you've got a shot. Add that to the skill position. I think a great uh, linebacking group, solid secondary, and things are looking up for Baylor right now. So I think that uh, you go OU Texas, no-brainer right now in this conference, 
And then uh, you have to put Baylor based on what they've done. I've knocked this team uh, throughout the non-conference questioning how good they were. But to their credit, they've stepped up and they've beaten a couple of good teams. All right? I mean, they, they beat Iowa State, who is starting to turn things around and I still believe is a top 25 team based on uh, talent and, you know, if they played the top 25 teams in the country, I think they'd beat a lot of them. And then they go on the road to beat Kansas State. And maybe Kansas State's not all that good or as good as we thought they were two weeks ago. But still, you get a road win in a tough Big 12 environment and you get it pretty convincingly, you're looking good. Looking really good. So coming up, uh, a couple other issues I want to touch on here in the conference, specifically as it relates to the quarterback position. That's next. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Hey, guys, it's Pete Mundo, and as we get going with conference play here in the Big 12, we're going to be placing all our bets with mybookie.ag, and I hope you will as well. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the absolute best. They've got the latest lines for the Big 12, and you can even continue to bet as the game goes on with in-game live betting. That's pretty cool. I'm going to be trying it this season. So if you join my bookie now, you'll double your first deposit with the promo code BIG12. That's BIG12 to activate the offer at mybookie.ag. You can't beat it. They'll double that first deposit with a minimum deposit of $45, maximum deposit of $1,000. And you can try that parlay. I always give it a shot. Got to be honest, doesn't end up too well, but it's fun. And that's what this is about. So check it out. MyBookie.ag, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Lit. So there's a lot of moaning and groaning right now in uh, in Stowater. Oklahoma State fans are riled up. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So Spencer Sanders did not have himself a good game. Didn't have himself a good game. Uh, the team ends up losing this past weekend at Texas Tech. And there's some concern that Spencer Sanders is going to be the reason this team does not reach its full potential this year. Here's the deal. If Mike Gundy thinks that Spencer Sanders is the guy that can help this team compete for a Big 12 title in 2020 and 2021, then guess what? You leave him in there. You let him take his lumps. There's no point in putting in Drew Brown when the options are to win say, eight games instead of seven games, when really the goal should be to win 10, 11, 12 games next year or the year after. That's how Mike Gundy has to look at it. Now, some Oklahoma State fans are saying, well, hang on a second. Why didn't we play him in four games last year to redshirt, you know, utilize that new rule, let him take his lumps then? Because there was never an opportunity to really do that. Don't look at the final scores on games. Look at how games actually went. Oklahoma State played a lot of games into the fourth quarter, even games that they won big or were blown out in. There was only a couple of games you can point to where you'd say, okay, that's a game Spencer Sanders could have gotten some reps. There were only a couple of those, so there was no obvious way to do that. So now you look at it and you say, well, that's just revisionist history. That's Monday morning quarterbacking. That's what that is for Oklahoma State. 
Now, I, I wish that Spencer Sanders would have made a little bit more progression these first few weeks, but Gundy knows what's going on behind closed doors. And if he truly believes that Sanders is still the guy that's going to be that next quarterback for the Oklahoma State Cowboys that can get them back into Big 12 contention, then you leave him in there. You do not ruin the confidence of the kid halfway through the uh, first season that he's playing in. It's the same thing I said about Max Duggan with TCU. You have to just simply let this thing play itself out, know you're playing a young quarterback, and take everything that comes with that. There are going to be mistakes. No doubt about it, there's going to be mistakes. But on the flip side, you hope that the payoff is good in the short term, but better for the long term. So let's do this. Um, I thought of this as I was preparing the show today. And that's doing a one-word association with each Big 12 team. And let me know on Twitter at Heartland underscore CS or at Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, whether or not you like this or not. But I think it's fun. It's a way for me to mention every Big 12 team and give you some quick thoughts on on, uh, each team and where they stand right now. So it's a one-word association with every team in the Big 12, and I'll expand on it. Baylor, impressive. I talked about this earlier in the show, so I'm not going to go nuts on it, but I've talked to you about what I like about the Baylor Bears. From Matt Rule on down, Brewer looks comfortable. The weapons are there on offense, but the lines are most impressive to me, and that's why that's the word that comes to mind for Baylor. Impressive. For Kansas, O.C. So Kansas has fired its offensive coordinator, Les Miles is replacing him with a guy on the staff, and that guy is Brent Deerman. Now, Deerman is new to the KU staff. He was the head coach at Bethel University in Tennessee for one year, where the offense was actually the best in the nation at any level. They went 10-0. They averaged 540 yards per game and uh, 55 points per game as well. Prior to that, uh, Bethel was the OC at D2 Arkansas Tech, and then two seasons as an analyst for Gus Melzahn, at Auburn, so he's got some uh, got some good background, got some good chops, but all I can say to Brent Deerman is Godspeed, young man, Godspeed, because you got your hands full trying to turn around this offense. But I have no problem with this for Les Miles. You know, nobody involved with Kansas football should have a long leash. From Les Miles on down, nobody should have a long leash. So I'm totally fine with Les Miles making this move. Kansas State Limited. That's the word that comes to mind for K-State. It's just it's a team that if they get up early, three yards in a cloud of dust, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They get down double digits like happened the past two weeks. They're not coming back. They can't. They don't have the personnel to do it. So K-State uh, has got to play a certain style to win. And the Big 12, that's going to be pretty tough to do for these Kansas State Wildcats. Iowa State Word Association right now, October. Or as Iowa State fans call it, Brocktober, Brock Purdy. Uh, this team is 8-0 the last three years in the month of October. They dominated TCU last week for whatever reason. The calendar flips to October, and Matt Campbell's like, all right, we're going to start winning some games now. <laughs> it's kind of how it seems. And it looks like they're headed uh, for that same type of October here in 2019. They looked really good last week, really good. Uh, Oklahoma, Grinch. Let's see what Alex Grinch has got, the new defensive coordinator, this week against Texas. It's been a pretty soft schedule thus far, um, and I want to see how improved this defense actually is against Sam Ellinger and and Tom Herman's offense and what they actually can do. 
This will be the biggest test to see what Alex Grinch has done to turn around this Oklahoma defense. You know, beating Tech without its starting quarterback is nice. Beating Kansas on the road, fine. Now's your challenge, Alex Grinch. Now we get to see what you got, big guy. Uh, Oklahoma State, bye. Cowboys have a bye week, and they've got a lot to work on. That was uh, that was a really bad performance last week at Tech. And I saw an interesting stat. Mike Gundy is only 17-10 and 10 as a favorite straight up in the last three years. That's not good. That's not, And that's not a personnel issue. That's a coaching issue. 17-10 and 10 the past three years as a favorite straight up. That is concerning to me. I'm not going to lie. So a lot to work on on this bye week. Texas again. Can the Longhorns win again in the uh, Red River rivalry for a second straight year in the regular season? If they do, they're right back in the college football playoff picture. Now, it'll probably take beating OU twice to do it because they'll have to beat them again in the Big 12 championship game. But Texas back in the mix if they win this game on Saturday. TCU, edge. Here's TCU's problem. They've got nobody edge rushing. There's no Ben Banigou this year. That's a problem for them. Uh, the defensive tackles are really good. they got to get something off the edge and they don't have much happening there right now, and that has hampered this TCU defense, along with its inability to tackle uh, the last couple of weeks. So Texas Tech, speaking of defense, that's my word association for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Defense, a word I never thought we'd associate with Texas Tech football. I got to give credit to, to Matt Wells and the staff because, well, they had a debacle against Oklahoma. There's no doubt about that. It did not go well. Uh, you cannot take away what this team did against Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State put up 35 points. That doesn't tell the whole story. And the defense in general has been pretty good. I mean, they only gave up Arizona, uh, 28 points to Arizona in the non-conference. And the OU game was a disaster. But I am really intrigued by what this defense has to offer and how they're going to handle uh, this game at Baylor on Saturday. West Virginia trajectory. The Mountaineers may be the most improved team from the start of the season to the finish of the season. Now, they may only win four or five games, but it reminds me for West Virginia fans and Neil Brown, it reminds me of, it could remind me of, Matt Campbell's first year at Iowa State, where they won three games, but they had a lot of close games, and then things just started to turn around and click the following season. There you have it, a little fun uh, word association. Let me know if you guys like that. Hit me up on Twitter, at Pete Mundo. Coming up, let's preview Week 7, Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, it's time to preview and predict Week 7 in the Big 12 Conference. My goodness, where is this season going? I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So before we get to the games real quick, I didn't touch on uh, the Snoop Dogg controversy at KU. If you missed this, Snoop Dogg played at KU. We had like... um, Acrobatic dancers, a nice way to put it. Money guns, vulgarities. You know, you hired Snoop Dogg. If you're in the audience uh, there at KU at Fog Allen last weekend for the, uh, you know, basically the unofficial kickoff to basketball season where they have an artist perform every year, and you see Snoop Dogg there and you don't want your eight-year-old kid to hear Snoop Dogg lyrics, don't take him. I mean, Snoop Dogg's going to do Snoop Dogg, and you're probably not going to stop that. So, you know, the outrage, it's like, goodness gracious, could you please? It's 2019. Uh, You have every right to be bothered by lyrics Snoop Dogg may use in front of children. 
But that's on you. You saw Snoop Dogg was going to be there. I mean, you know, have some judgment on that. And if you want to be mad at KU for hiring Snoop Dogg, that's fine as well. But don't be mad because you saw Snoop Dogg was performing and then Snoop Dogg performed Snoop Dogg stuff and did Snoop Dogg things. (laughs) Just had to get that one off my chest. All right, let's do it. We only got three Big 12 games this week. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's do Texas OU last. All right. So let's do, uh, Iowa state, West Virginia. This game is one where I am not touching the spread because Iowa state's a double digit favorite on the road. Uh, weather's going to be questionable in Morgantown. It's just, you know, West Virginia plays defense. That is just good enough. That makes me afraid of this double digit number. All right. Even though Iowa State's playing great, I'm leery of the double-digit spread. But I do like the under in this game. It opened up at 57. It's down to, depending on where you look, 53 to 55. I'm taking the under 54 where I see the latest numbers. And here's what's interesting. The big money is coming in on the under, and I think that's the right play. And here's why. First off, the under is hitting for the past five meetings between West Virginia and uh, Iowa State, and in 10 of Iowa State's last 11 road games. As I mentioned, you got a 50% chance of rain in this game. And, you know, West Virginia is a team that this year at least has a much better defense than it does offense. West Virginia's defensive line with those Sills brothers is very, very potent. And the secondary, led by Keith Washington, is pretty darn good as well. Uh, This is an underrated defense that Neil Brown has this season. This team's not going to win a ton of games. If they become bowl eligible, that's a good thing. But the defense is kind of what's keeping this team together right now. And what Neil Brown has to figure out is how to balance a a good defense – with an offense that is only good when it's playing like a two-minute drill. It's not a methodical offense. It can't run the ball, and that's a problem for the West Virginia offense. It's going to have to rely on Austin Kendall, big plays down the field, trying to take advantage of the Iowa State cornerbacks, which is really the, the only weak spot on that defense. Problem is, will he have time to do it? Because his offensive line is not great, and the Iowa State front seven is outstanding. So I don't think he's going to have a ton of time. He threw those uh, bunch of interceptions last week against Texas. It's going to be raining this week. They're going to be unable to get a running game going. So I don't see how West Virginia is going to put a lot of points on the board. And for Iowa State, I mean, they can pile them up, but it's going to be on the road, going to be raining. They're going to want to establish the running game. And I think the Mountaineers' defense is better than people are giving it uh, credit for. So I'm taking the under, um, and I do believe Iowa State wins this game. I just don't love the number, but I do like the under in the Iowa State-West Virginia game. All right, Baylor-Texas Tech. I think Baylor wins, but uh, once again, it's not the spread that I love. I'm not as leery of the spread. It's double digits in favor of Baylor, but I love the under here. I I really like the under in this game between Baylor and Texas Tech because both these teams are playing better defense than anybody's giving them credit for. Uh, It's sitting right now at 58 between Baylor and Texas Tech. And here's the deal. Some numbers for you. The under is hit in five of the past seven Texas Tech games. It has hit in seven of the past ten Baylor games. Baylor's defense, numbers you're not typically used to seeing from a Baylor Bears team. 25th in the country in rushing defense. 35th in the country in passing defense. 20th in the country in scoring defense. Going up against Jet Duffy, who, yes, had a big game against Oklahoma State last week. But uh, they now hit the road. 
different environment. Baylor's not going to be caught off guard like it seemed like Oklahoma State was last week in Lubbock. They're going to be jazzed up. They're 5-0. and They're in the top 25. Uh, and then you look at both of these teams as well. Baylor and Texas Tech are both in the top three in the Big 12 in turnover margin at plus four. So they're each doing a very good job in that department. And, and uh, I think that's going to play a role. You know, I mean, if these teams are each forcing turnovers, then unless they're bringing them back for pick sixes or fumbles for scores, not a lot of points are going to be scored or not as many as people would expect in a game like this. You know, you think Texas Tech Baylor, you think 65 to 66. I don't think that's the case this year. You know, that Tech defense was really good against Spencer Sanders last week, and Baylor's been outstanding against Iowa State and K-State thus far on the defensive side of the ball. And here's the kicker for me. The kicker is uh, Baylor and Texas Tech are both in the top half of the Big 12 in red zone defense, yet they're both bottom two in the red zone on the offensive side of the ball. So they've each been very good on red zone defense, and they've been the two worst teams in the Big 12 in red zone offense. That's a telling stat. That's a telling stat right there. So uh, that was the clincher for me. So I think Baylor wins, you know, by seven to ten points. But I, I like for my pick the under fifty-eight in Baylor Texas Tech. All right, let's do Texas OU. I'm gonna piss off one of these fan bases. It's okay. Stick with me here. Red River rivalry time. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why I'm going with Texas plus eleven. Texas is 6-1 against the spread in the last seven games against Oklahoma. 6-1 in their last seven games against OU. That is a heck of a number. I think that Texas has the best player and leader in this game in Sam Ellinger. That is worth something in these rivalry games. Sam Ellinger has won this game last year. Now, Jalen Hurts has played in big games. Don't get me wrong. The Iron Bowl is big. National championship games. But uh, not that this is a different beast, like it's on a different level, but it's, it's different in the sense of it's a different rivalry game, right? Uh, I think that the schedule to this point has been much tougher for Texas. We have a much better idea what the Longhorns are playing LSU, playing Oklahoma State, uh, going on the road to West Virginia than OU's got with a non-conference that was not all that tough. And then, you know, Texas Tech and Jet Duffy's first start off the bench and then going to Kansas. I have a much better feel for what uh, Texas is. And notably as well, you know, Texas is better on both lines. And that's important to me. Texas has had the same five guys in the offensive line in every game this year. Now, the OU offensive line has looked great. They missed or lost four guys to the NFL, right? We've talked about that a lot um, before the season started. They've looked great. They haven't missed a beat. Uh, Bendon Ball is a great offensive line coach for the Sooners. But a lot of young guys in this game who haven't played in this game. Can't say that for Texas. And I like the Texas defensive line better than I like the OU defensive line. And if it ever is going to come down to a kicker, this might be the game. And don't forget that OU is missing its kicker. He's suspended indefinitely uh, due to some problems uh, off the field. And as a result, you've got a redshirt freshman kicker in Gabe Brickick, I think is how you say it. Limited experience. Meantime, Cameron Dicker, Dicker the kicker on the other side. He had the game winner last year. And in a game like this, sometimes it does come down to something like the kicker. So I like Texas on both lines. I think they had the best leader and best player in this game. It looks like Colin Johnson is going to play at wide receiver. Um, and I got to see these OU cornerbacks stop somebody decent before I start 
uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt. The spread is huge. It's 11 points. It's too high. Give me Texas plus 11, and I'm going to go crazy here and say Texas wins this one outright. I know, shocker, don't hate me, OU fans. This is what I'm paid to do. But I'm taking Texas with the 11 points. I'm taking them outright. If I'm a fool, please break my chops on Sunday and Monday. I will take it. I'm a big boy. All right? Love you guys. Seriously, love you so much. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you on the podcast Sunday. A reminder, if you're listening on the podcast, please leave us that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and uh, we will absolutely absolutely make sure that we get you that free Heartland College Sports koozie. Just send me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, you're the best. We'll talk to you soon.